Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast and the class today is sponsored uh, by many, but uh, that means that it's a very special day. Dedicated for the Rifuash of Moshe ben Batya and Simcha Batsara, sponsored by the children of the Hedaya family. As well, it's sponsored and dedicated in loving memory of Audrey Levy, Alea Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Chana Bat Rachel, sponsored by her son Maurice Levy. Uh, the, uh, the class as well is dedicated in loving memory of Nurit Roshan Zamir, Lilu Nishmat Nurit Nushafarin Bat Hanum Vehuda, Alea Shalom, sponsored by the Zamir family. Uh, dedicated in loving memory of Masuda Amos Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Masuda Bat Alea Shalom, Masuda Bat Asiba, and Rabbi Hananya. El Malem, uh, sponsored by her sons Gabriel Amos, uh, as well in loving memory of Nathan Marcus, Natan Ben Rachel, by the Marcus family, and for Refuash Lemav, Meir Ben Adelia, sponsored anonymously, um, and the week of Cobra is dedicated in loving memory of Sammy Syed, uh, sponsored by her son Isaac Syed. Uh, finally, a beautiful news the breakfast and class is dedicated in celebration. Of Simon Simanto's birthday, sponsored by his family in Israel, and of course uh, celebrated by his family here uh, in, in Manhattan. Hazakum Aruch. It's very beautiful to have you uh, and to celebrate together with you uh, in this special way. <clears throat> okay, let's uh, let's get cracking, like they say. We have a very special uh, uh, parasha here. And I always say it's important to be able to kind of keep your eye on the ball. Now, I remember a little while ago, there was a, a, a movie that came out. I don't remember exactly when it was, but a movie that came out. It was from uh, Star Wars or Star Trek. I don't know. What's the one that has like many, lots and lots and lots of films? Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Wars. Okay. So they came out with a brand new one. And it was, uh, was it right? Start, oh, there was a new. Okay, I don't mean this one. I'm not that current. This was in the, I think, in the summer maybe. So there was a new film in the summer or whatever it was. And what they said was in the newspaper, people were arguing over which order you're supposed to watch the films in, because there's ones that are before and ones that are after and ones that tell you the original story, the after story. My body, I don't know. But either way, they were arguing about what comes first and what comes second, and they were all different opinions. And they were going to say that before they're going to watch. The newest one, they're going to watch all the seven or eight other ones beforehand to remind themselves of what comes first so they can watch the new one with the pure uh, chazara, like they say. I saw a beautiful joke just this week. It says, what do they call, uh, the, what's it called? Uh, what do they call the, uh, the second shot from uh, Moderna and, and, uh, and Pfizer? The second, what do they call the second one? They call it Hazarata Shatz. Anyway, the point is, there's, uh, there's eight other movies that you're going to watch, and now you're going to see the last one, because now you have the whole story in a row. Rabotai, when we come into the story over here, I think it's important to remember the story that came before the story. We ended off last week's parasha reading about how Yehuda, when he finds out that the, the Gavia is in the bag of Benjamin, he says to him, please know what he's talking about. You know, and the, anyone who stole it, the whole family is going to be Avadim. We would become for you for Avadim. Now he comes back. He walks into the throne room. But he got Yehuda. You know, but Yosef said, no, I don't need everyone to be slaves. Why should everyone be slaves? The one who stole the gavia, who stole the goblet, he'll be a slave. Everyone else, lechul shalom, go and peacefully back to your own home. You guys got it? Now, all of a sudden, Yehuda hears that. Vayigash Yehuda. 
Ki kamocha ki paro, I'll fight you, I'll fight paro, both of you are going to die. This guy walks into the White House, he sees the Vice President, he says, I'll take you down, I'll take Trump down, I'm going to take everybody, right? This is what Yehuda says. Strange what's going on over here. And not only that, not only is it strange Yehuda's excessive show of force, but also the fact that two minutes ago, Yehuda gave an offer, right? I remember I had a friend of mine, you know what he said? He said he figured out the trick how to have peaceful cab rides in Israel. I said, a peaceful cab ride in Israel? Lo shama'anu, there's such a thing, right? Shaykhiyanu kiyamanu. What do you mean? He says, it used to be I would get in a cab, the guy would be arguing with me the whole way on the price, telling me how, how, he st- how I stiffed him, and really it should be more expensive, and how the fact that there's traffic, and how it's going to cost him more, he's going to be in the cab. So he says, I came up with a very simple theory, Okay? That gets me quiet in the cab. I said, you got to share this as a secret. What's the secret? He says, when the guy, I ask him, how much does the, car, the trip cost? The guy tells me 15 shekel. I tell him, lo. Not 15, lo. lo. No way, 15 shekel. The guy's already gearing up for the fight. I tell him, adim shalem, shvastre shekel. I'm paying 17. The guy, I need behelim, I need beshok, right? They can't, the guy, they don't even know the, he's worried if he opens his mouth, you might realize that you told him more instead of less. He says, I sit back, I relax like a king, not a peep out of the driver. So it's the reverse negotiation, right? It's the kind of negotiations that Obama was running, okay? It's a strange thing, right? What are you talking about? What kind of negotiation is this? Are, we, are you with me? Yehuda says, listen, you found the goblet? Okay, the, whoever's the, the crook, all of us are going to be uh, Avadim. Yosef says, counter-offer. No, not all of you are going to be Avadim, only one of you. 99% sale on the negotiation here. He gives him 99% off. Take the other, everybody else, go back home. Now Yehuda hears that, he says, forget it. He goes to war. You got every, you said, this is what you said. I'm just, do, I'm not even doing, you said it. What's going on here? How come Yehuda is fighting when he said, whoever, you know, you find it, we're all going to be slaves. Now they found that Yosef said, Yosef said one, and, and uh, Yehuda goes ballistic. What's happening here, Rabotai? So I want to share with you a very powerful answer, which uh, kind of sheds a little bit of light on the story, but also is tremendously impactful for us in our own lives. Yehuda, the brothers, when they stop the first time, when they're dealing with all sorts of trouble, right? What do the brothers say? Aval we, we made a terrible mistake. We sold our brother. He begged us. He cried to us from the pit. He called out and we didn't listen. We were cruel. Therefore, because of all that, it's coming on us this difficult time. They already understood that this was a message from God, a punishment for having sold Yosef as Sadiq. They were clear about that. And you know what? You did something wrong, you stick out your hand, you take your punishment. They understood this is God's plan. Yehuda says, if you can find the Gavia, we'll all be slaves to you. But 
now the Gavir is found in the bag of Benjamin. And they go down to Yosef, and Yosef says, Nope, I'm only taking him. Of all the brothers, the one that was not involved in the sale was Benjamin. It can't be that if this was coming from God, if this was God's will for them, for the brothers, to be in this situation, if this was God's will, it wouldn't be Binyamin that was stuck here, it would be all of us, not him. How could it be that this is the result? They were reading God's messages. And suddenly they understood that this could not be God, so to speak. What does that mean? Yosef has agency to do this? No. In every situation, when a person gets a message from God, there's always two ways to read the message. Right? You know, they say, sometimes you read a, a sentence, you, something gets lost in translation. Right? You could either read, let's eat grandma, or you could read it, let's eat grandma. You don't know if the, you know, if your, uh, the, the, your, <laughs> your brother is showing kibbut avayim for the grandparents, or if had as a cannibal. It's very difficult to read without a comma. Right? You're not sure. So sometimes God's messages are like that. We don't know, is Hashem telling me with a message that He's giving me, is he telling me this is not the path for you? So you try, you're trying to do a business, you're trying to pull a deal, you're trying to get a shidduch, you're trying to do something to get have children, to improve the lot of your kids, to do something in this world, you're trying to you know, start up a charity, and then there's all these roadblocks. Are the roadblocks telling you to go home? This is not for you? Hashem doesn't want you to come here? Or are the roadblocks testing you, checking to see how you're going to fight? Rabotai, listen carefully. When the brothers thought that they'd all be slaves, they understood, this is what Hashem wants. Okay, this is payback for the time we sold our brother. But when Yosef said, I'm keeping Benjamin, Yehuda says, I've been down this road already. I already left behind one of my brothers. Specifically one from the other mother. I'm not doing this again. I'm not leaving here without him. And if you want to stand in my way, in the, in the way of my brothers, you should just know, I'm not threatening you with death. If you try and stop me, that, that is what will happen. We will fight to the grave to be able to bring our brother Binyamin home. Because now they saw that this was not God's punishment to them. Yehuda now read it the exact opposite way, that now it was God testing them if they would save Binyamin, okay? Little did Yehuda know that the protagonist in the story was not him. The bell was not tolling for thee. Actually, the person sitting in the chair opposite him, giving all these commands was Yosef. But it remains to be uh, deciphered by all of us here today. We have to try and understand, hold on a second. How is it that they did not clock at any stage in this negotiation, in this fight, that this person who seemingly knows everything about them is maybe their long-lost brother. He seems to understand you know, everything about their culture. He seems to know, the Midrash tells us, he was telling them things about their past that only someone who was a brother would know. He's tell, he calls them out that there's another brother, Benjamin. He demands that his closest blood brother, Benjamin, be brought down to him. They see how happy he is when he came. He's asking about their father. It's just it's too strange. Shouldn't they have realized, you know, when you're watching a film and they're showing you enough twists and turns, eventually it becomes obvious that this guy is the killer or that that person stole the money because there's too many pieces. 
that come together, how did they not recognize that this was Yosef? And the Gemara tells us, when the Pasuk says, he realized that it was them, they did not realize it was him. The Gemara says, why? Because he had Khatimat Zakat. He had a beard. Slicha. <laughs> right, I don't know about you, but you know, during Svirata Omer, right, you know, everybody has beard. Like our wives are not walking around in shul saying, Slomo! 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 Yeah, it's me, it's me. Have you seen my husband? I, I like, I can see through the beard. It's not a problem. Like, even if it's a long beard, I could still know that this is a person who's... How could they not... Now, not only that, compounding the problem, Rabotai, is the fact that Yosef looks exactly like Yaakov. So here they're looking at this guy, and what are they seeing? The face of their father. So he's younger than his father, but this is how they remember their father from when he grew up. Same face, maybe a little blacker beard. How did they not think that this is... I mean, it's so obvious. And the answer, Rabotai, although there are many, I think the answer over here is, um, is that the brothers were looking at this in the correct way. They understood that they had done something wrong and that something was coming to get them. Number one, because 100% because of the way they treated their, son, their brother, uh, Yosef. But the ultimate punishment that the brothers felt that they deserved was because of the pain that they had put their father through. They made their father grow old. So when the brothers saw this guy, who, why should they think it's Yosef? And they kind of felt like it looked a little bit like their father. Do you know what every armchair psychologist will tell you? You know, a guy suffers a loss, he's very close with his mother, his mother passes away. He starts dating this girl, comes back to his father. He says, Dad, I don't know, I just noticed. She looks a lot like mom. Right? No one thinks that's your mother. What do you think? You're thinking a lot about your mother. So you're finding similarities, maybe where there are none. The brothers had this guilty conscience. How do you know? Because the second something went wrong, what did they say? This is the reason. 22 years later, Immediately, they didn't say, I didn't get up for Shacharit that other Thursday. They didn't say, you know, I ripped off this guy in the shuk two weeks ago. I sold him a camel, you know, uh, I sold him a cow as a camel. Meanwhile, I just put pillows on the top and painted it. You know, none of them, none of them had any other stories. Immediately, they went right back to the origin story of the, of the splitting of the brothers. Is this clear? So it was first and foremost on their mind. When they saw someone who was punishing them, and they saw that it looked like their father, they thought that their brain was playing tricks on them. That they were so focused on the fact that they hurt their father, that that's why Yosef looks like him. Not because he looks like him. But we learn from here a tremendous lesson. And that is that we see things in the way that we would like to see them. And when something doesn't fit the narrative that we want it to fit, it just doesn't work. We don't believe it, we cast it all aside. You know, I use this example all the time. There's not a single thing that Trump can do right for the Democratic Party, for anyone who votes blue. There isn't. Anything he'll do, they'll find the reason why it was for narcissistic reasons for himself. And it's not, not 
false the other way either. You know, can Pelosi or AOC do anything right in the eyes of anyone who's Republican? For sure not. So this is not a sickness that afflicts one side of the political aisle. It's a human sickness. A sickness where we don't see with our eyes, we see with our hearts. We choose what we would like to see. Now, it is true, and this always struck me, if the brothers had their sin right in front of them, it was right there. They knew that they had done wrong. They were willing to admit it. They immediately said that the reason why this is happening is because of what we did to Yosef. When we know we're wrong, why couldn't they see that it was Yosef then? What, did they not want it to be Yosef? If clearly they're... And this is something which is so powerful. You know, when you're in a fight with someone or you have a disagreement with someone, it's much easier to say sometimes... I'm wrong than to say you're right. I'm wrong, that's a mistake in my judgment. You're right means you're better than me. You ever hear someone say, look, I was wrong, but you also wrong. You ever see those guys, right? But why does that, have, does that make you feel better? Yes, it does. Yes, actually, it does. We don't mind making mistakes. In fact, we don't actually mind making mistakes in many areas of our life. Like as an example, do you ever get lost? You get lost, right? But when someone else tells you to go this way, and you're like, no, let's go that way, now you're fighting about directions. Weird. The answer is actually not so weird. When I am making the mistake, I can be fallible. But when my mistake gets you, makes you right, can't be. The brothers had already claimed I was wrong. Abal ashemi manachnu. We were, they were able to say I was wrong. But to admit that Yosef was on the throne would be to admit that he was right. And that's not the same thing. It's a little bit harder to do that. And because of that, Rabotai, they were incapable of seeing. They saw Hashem here. When they looked at Yosef, they saw this punishment. They saw God's intervention. But you know what? Hashem can be right. My, my fellow man? No. Rabotai... We've learned this many, many different ways, many, many different guises. But the Mishnah and Avot tells us, Ahuv lema'ala nechmad lemata. You want to know who's beloved above a person, who's beloved, who's cherished down here on earth. Rabotai, they had figured out, and they had strong emunah in Borei Olam. But they could not fathom that this story which started with them being wrong, was actually about Yosef being right. And listen carefully to their admission. They don't say we were wrong and Yosef was right. They say, Abal anachnu. Look, even if he was wrong, he was crying. We should have had mercy on the guy who was wrong. Even now. Even here. Even when the things seem to be very strange, Rabotai. Still the brothers are stuck in their story. And I don't think sometimes that this is a conscious process. I think that this is a subconscious process. It sometimes takes someone to point this out to you so that you could then open your eyes up wide. If you're ever in a fight, Rabotai, then, if you're ever struggling to be able to see things eye to eye with someone that you love, perhaps before doing all the heavy lifting of fighting it out with that person, Perhaps get a fresh pair of eyes. 
and explain it to them. But don't ask them, which is what most people do. I'm, I'm, I'm right, right? I'm right. I just need, I wanted to check this by Am I going crazy? This guy's a crook. This guy's a thief. This guy's a this. I'm right, yeah? Instead of doing it that way, just ask, you know, am I seeing this from all sides? When you ask someone if you're right or wrong, most people don't want to get into the, into the mud with you, so they just tell you, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. If you ask them, am I seeing all sides of this, then they feel like the job you're asking them to do is to find merit in the other side, which is what you actually want. You want to be able to see the other person's side of this in a way that you have not yet seen. Rabotai, because they don't want to see Yosef that way, they're incapable. And something as small as a beard is enough. Nah, he was clean shaven back then. That was enough to be able to, to tell them that the person sitting in front of them could not possibly be Yosef. I think especially so when admitting that someone else is right means that we were so wrong. It makes it even more difficult to admit that we are right. But Rabotai, I learned in this also a tremendous measure of compassion. You know, a lot of times when we fight with people, we're very bitter and angry at them for not doing the right thing, for not uh, going the right way. And sometimes, Rabotai, it helps to read a parasha like this and to think that someone could see things so differently from you and be so close to you and still be your brother. It's possible that the person actually loves you and still hates you. Look at how the brothers reconcile the minute Yosef says, and Yosef. Everybody's hugging. 22 years. Yosef is subject to unimaginable uh, uh, tragedies, difficulties. And yet, the minute they get past this hump, it's amazing. They're brothers again. It's possible that the person sitting opposite you doesn't hate you, loves you, but still just sees things so differently. People can get it wrong. They could still be your brother. People could get it wrong. They could still be righteous. They could still be good people. The Shivatim were unbelievable Sadiqim. And they got it wrong. On whatever level we're allowed to say that, they got it wrong. Look at the person opposite you and say, okay, I think he's not the best, but at least like a Yehuda, a Reuven, a Shimon, he could be. Yeah, he's maybe one of the Shivteka. He has a tiny mistake here. He's not seeing it the right way. And maybe that's why we're in this situation. Feeling that compassion for someone that argues with you for having gotten it wrong. I love the line, below Yochol, Yosef hit a peg and Yosef couldn't hold out anymore. He saw his brothers, even though they'd caused him so much more pain than he'd caused them. But he couldn't, he couldn't bear to see it on their faces anymore. Sometimes it just takes the the party who's innocent to step forward and say the words that end the fight. What do you want to be? You want to be right or you want to have shalom? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Baruch <laughs>